This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I invite you to take your Bibles and would you go to Romans chapter 7. It's going to be a text that we'll examine uh, this evening as it's part of the Pilgrim's Progress. We have been measuring the Pilgrim's Progress through John Bunyan's work, and I hope it has been a help to you. I have said from time to time that I believe God was working directly, not talking inspiration, but working directly in Bunyan's heart and mind as he wrote this during his second imprisonment in England because he was a nonconformist preacher. He was not going to have the Church of England give him permission to preach. That was his calling from God, and he was going to do it regardless. And he paid uh, a heavy price for that. But I don't want you to just take my word for uh, how God used uh, John Bunyan. C.A. Spurgeon said this, Next to the Bible, the book I value most is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I believe I have read it through at least a hundred times. He later said of the man John Bunyan, quote, This man is a living Bible. Prick him anywhere and you'll find his blood is bibline. I think you made that word up. But uh, he'll bleed Bible. Spurgeon went on. The very essence of the Bible flows through him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the word of God. Now that assessment from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, that's pretty strong. But I believe that he's right, and as you study this story, you understand that his thinking was completely scriptural. And even as he uh, thought about the events of his own life and then uh, wrote this story about the pilgrim who had become Christian, uh, again, the, the, the writing, the imagery is just saturated with scripture. And so tonight we're going to fly through several of the last chapters, just summarize things, and then watch what happens to Christian and a new companion that he picks up along the way, a man named Hopeful. John Bunyan saw in his dream that Faithful, remember he was the companion that had gone with him, the fellow believer that went with him into the city of Vanity. And when they would not conform uh, as they walked through Vanity Fair, they would not conform to the pleasures that the people were enjoying and, and they w were not partaking of the materialism and the other things that were happening there. They weren't causing trouble. It's just that the, these worldlings did not appreciate that they wanted to be different. And so there was a trial, uh, a mock trial. Faithful was condemned. And in the uh, dream that Bunyan has, uh, again, uh, this story that he's telling, Faithful was martyred in the city. But as for Christian, he was taken back to prison for a space of time. 
But the God who overrules all things, having power over the rage of sinners, brought about the escape of Christian. And he went his way, and as he went, he sang. Faithful, my friend, thou hast plainly professed to the world our Lord, with whom thou art now blessed. Faithless ones leave behind empty delights and cry out in hell their eternal plight. Sing, faithful, sing, for your name has survived, though they have killed thee. Thou art yet alive. What a testimony. Can flame and, and, and murder uh, ever really claim the life of a Christian? No, no. Now I saw in my dream that Christian went forth or not forth alone, for there was one named Hopeful who had witnessed the sufferings of faithful and Christian in Vanity City, had believed their testimony of truth, and would now accompany Christian. Thus, one died to bear testimony to Christ, and another rises out of the ashes to be a companion with Christian in his pilgrimage. You've heard the statement that the blood of martyrs is the, really the seed of the church. Uh, the more you try to oppress believers, uh, their light shines brighter and folks are drawn to the cross, right? Uh, let me just pause for a moment. Have you ever considered how many of Paul's companions were those who first were witnesses to his suffering for Christ? I took time to study this. The five of Paul's, in five of, of Paul's letters, and it would be six if you include Hebrews. Pastor Coles and I agree that, that Paul's the author of Hebrews. And one of the reasons I believe that is because he speaks of his bonds in the book of Hebrews. So let's just say six of those letters, he mentions his bonds. I believe the apostle understood his chains actually were used by God to further the gospel, not hinder it. Thus he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.9, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. And so this new companion joins Christian, the man hopeful. Now in their journey, Christian and hopeful would meet other travelers, some who shared their faith, others who troubled their journey. At times they lost their way. And in one of those instances, they faced the giant despair who held them captive in his doubting castle. I wish we had time to talk about all of their dialogue back and forth and what happened there. But I do want to share quickly the application to this part of Pilgrim's Progress, especially in light of the fact that we are starting a new year. I'm speaking to Christian pilgrims tonight, and I am quite certain this year 
Satan is going to try to use discouragement and, yes, even depression to get you to stop living for God, to stop down your, your journey down the narrow way. Because every believer on earth still has fallen flesh, doubt, despair, and depression can bring back to the mind present fears and past failures. Attempts to seek the Lord are met in the mind with a flood of doubts that God will forgive and restore. Now, in this state, Christian uttered words many other believers have thought. Listen to what he says. They're in a dungeon. He says this, the grave is more easy for me now than this dungeon. What do you think he's thinking? He's thinking suicide. Say, well, that's not spiritual. Elijah thought the same thing. Lord, I'm no better than my fathers. Just kill me. That's what he said to God. He was done. He was over it. Now remember, the fallen flesh will always take damning thoughts to the farthest extreme possible, including suicide. Thus, as Christian looks out his prison window, he sees the castle yard filled with bones and skulls. Was Bunyan overstating the problem through allegory? No, he wasn't. And this is where I want to just pause tonight and help us with this because you're going to face discouragement in 2023. You're in Romans chapter 7. Can I ask you to look down at verse 14? And bear in mind that when you feel discouraged, when you get depressed, and by the way, there's a difference, and the difference is immobility. Folks that are discouraged keep going. Folks that are depressed stop. They quit. So that'll just even give you some, some simple guidance as to where you're at in that. But when you feel discouragement, think Romans 7. When you feel discouragement, what should you think? We can do better than that. What should you think? Romans 7. Go to Romans 7 because it tells you what the problem is beginning in verse 14. And your preacher has lived this too. All right? And I can confirm with what Bunyan shows us through Pilgrim, uh, the Christian pilgrim, that this is in fact the issue. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. The law being good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth where? In me. Uh, months ago, we took time in a, in a message to help explain to us the difference between the old man, the old nature, and your flesh. When you got saved, God put to death your old nature. But you still have flesh. I still have this flesh. It still craves. All right? 
uh, having come through the holidays. It craves too much food, I'm just saying, all right? Recover from surgery and have an island in your kitchen piled with stuff that your ladies have fixed and that your church family has given you. I've got flesh, okay? I might even have more flesh now. That uh, Anyway, all right, moving on. But it's sin in me. It's sin in you. Not the old man, but this flesh. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my, what? Flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, Holy Spirit, new nature. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, what I, that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law. Remember, there are laws of nature. Here's a law of nature. Your flesh is still going to be tempted to sin until you are given glorified flesh. Okay? That when I would do good, evil is present with me. That's the reality. That's the problem. And one of the other things I don't like about my flesh is it likes to team up with the accuser of the brethren, Satan. He kicks me when I'm down and it joins in in the kicking party. Have you ever experienced that? It'll tempt you to do wrong and then when you do wrong it'll beat you up for it. All right, that's the problem. What is the answer? Look at verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. There's your new nature. The law of God. Now, not Moses' law, but this law, this new law in me that God has produced through his spirit, through Christ. I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Again, flesh, members. Hold your arm out. That's what we're talking about, okay? The flesh. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through who? Jesus Christ our Lord, the indwelling Spirit of Christ. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. I have a new nature, and if I'll yield my mind, my thinking to the Word of God, that's what's going to control me. However, if I choose not to do that, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. If your mind is yielded to the Spirit of God, you're going to serve God. If you are yielded to your flesh, you're going to serve sin. Now we're going to see this come to full light in what happens. And I believe that Bunyan had a, a wonderful understanding of this, these aspects of sanctification. But when I yield to the law of sin in my members, I'm going to give in, and then we'll flood in doubt, fear, guilt. 
As a Christian, do I really ever have a reason to doubt my salvation? Not according to the word of God. Do Christians doubt their salvation? You bet they do. Why? These laws. Who's in control? Who am I serving? All right. And so this was the battle that was taking place. Now, I stopped one verse shy of what you see, uh, what I've given you there. I love the fact that with all this truth, there's also Romans 8 and verse 1. Would you read it with me? There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Pastor Coles, you and I have read lots of commentaries where they even try to dismiss the second part of, of uh, chapter 8, verse 1. It's, it's not there. It wasn't in the originals and so on. If you understand the context, yes, it is there. Okay? There is no condemnation. Now, my standing in Christ, I am not condemned. My sin will never be named in heaven. Hallelujah. All right? However, I can still face condemnation here. How does it happen? If I'm serving the flesh. Don't serve the flesh. Hallelujah for this, this truth. Now at midnight, Christian and Hopeful began to pray and continued in prayer till almost break of day. Then Christian, as one half amazed, passionately declared... What a fool am I to lie in this dungeon when I can walk at liberty. I forgot I have a key in my pocket called promise. <laughs> a key that will, I am persuaded, open any lock in Doubting Castle. He put it in the dungeon door turned the key, and the iron door flew open with ease. No door could stand before them, and soon they were back on the king's highway, and so were safe, being out of the giant's hand. I took note tonight when Pastor Ned started the service, and he said, does anybody have a promise? Now, we could have spent the rest of the evening talking about promises. But you know what, folks? Those promises are your keys. And if you're fighting discouragement, depression, despair, time to get the key out and start unlocking some doors. Now, the King's Highway led to delectable mountains. As they go along the highway... Uh, they found there was plenty to eat, and there were shepherds helping flocks to graze. Christian and Hopeful washed in a clean brook, fed themselves with the fruits of the land, and were refreshed. The shepherds then pointed them back to the narrow way. Let me just pause for a moment. You do realize that God's plan is for your existence to be benefited by shepherds. Who's the good shepherd? Jesus. Do you need him? Are you sure you need him? 
That is his plan. And oh, by the way, he has also given you under shepherds. And you're looking at one. Now, you don't need to answer out loud, but do you need him? Well, thank you for the encouragement. Okay. But you don't need me because we all think it's a good idea. God said so. And oh, by the way, folks that are out in church on a Wednesday night, they understand I need an under-shepherd. God said so. It's interesting to me, and I've, I've marveled at this through my ministry, Pastor Coles. They don't need the under-shepherd until things come apart. And then they're calling the shepherd. We need the shepherd all along. And by the way, as I sat in a chair recovering on Sunday, I needed to sit and watch our live stream and have two other shepherds help this guy. I needed that Sunday. Now Bunyan saw in his dream that as they journeyed, they came to enchanted grounds where the air made a traveler dull and sleepy. Now this timing uh, in Pilgrim's Progress is on purpose. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest what? When things are going well and are going smoothly for you, what's the tendency? I want to find a shady tree and nap. How about you? And that's the point that, that Bunyan is making here. These, these, two, these two guys, <laughs> things are going well again. Hey, let, let's take a break. Hopeful said to Christian, I can scarcely hold open mine eyes. Let us lie down here and nap. Christian's response, by no means. Lest sleeping we become prey to those who would harm us. Do you remember that one of the shepherds bid us uh, beware of the enchanted ground? Wherefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. What was he quoting? 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 6. Now to prevent drowsiness in this place, said Christian, let us fall into good discourse. Now that's an old English way of saying, let's just fellowship together right now. So by way of application, when things are quiet for the believer, it's easy to become dull and Spiritually sleepy. One key benefit of true Christian fellowship is the reminding and sharpening that takes place spiritually when Christians fellowship. When you're in a church where, where Christians are conscious about the need to grow in the Lord, one of the reasons you need to be there is because in their struggle and in their growth, they're going to talk to you about those things and you're going to be able to talk about those things with them. And if it's spiritual conversation, and we need to be more focused to make sure that that's what our conversation and our fellowship is around. But when that happens... It helps awaken us spiritually, not dull us and put us to sleep. 
Thus Christian and Hopeful spoke of their deliverance from sin and the dangers of their pilgrimage. They spoke of the celestial city and rejoiced the more as they walked. The point being the sleep just went away. They had things to focus on and talk about. There was now renewed purpose. Now, as I saw in my dreams, says Bunyan, that their journey led them within view of the celestial city and the city's gate through which they must enter. But between them and the gate was a deep, very deep river. But there was no bridge. It was the river of death. The companions then began to inquire about any, uh, was there any other way to the gate? They were told that only two, Enoch and Elijah, were permitted to enter by another way, but all others must cross the river until the last trumpet sound. So by faith, they entered the river. But soon Christian lost footing and began to sink. Hopeful could still feel the bottom and took hold of his fearful companion. As they crossed, Hopeful added these words, Be of good, of, be of good cheer. Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. And with that, Christian broke out with a loud voice, I see him. And he tells me, when you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And of course, he's quoting from Isaiah 43 and verse 2. Now let me just pause for a moment. This year, we don't know who God's going to promote, who's going to have to make their, through, their way through the river of death. We also don't know if God might have you at their bedside holding their hand to help them with the crossing. Have you ever thought about that? At that time, if you're looking to the flesh for help, you're not going to find any. But I have found myself, I remember a dear brother up in Pennsylvania when I pastored there, I saw it in his eyes. He was moments from death. And as we talked, I had the opportunity to just share with him, you will soon be with Jesus. And I shared promises with him. I helped him have sure footing because he was making his way across this river. And I also reminded him of Psalm 1. I go through, and in, in, in the psalmist uses the imagery of a valley, the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, when these two came out of the water, two men in white saluted them. Bunyan refers to them as shining ones. They said to hopeful and Christian, we are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. And they accompanied them to the gate. Now is this true imagery? It absolutely is. Remember what the scripture says in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. When Lazarus died, who accompanied him to the gate? 
Angels did. Angels did. Now, upon approaching the celestial city, they noticed that their walking was without effort. And a great host gave a shout saying, Blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This done, they compassed them round every side with melodious sound. The bells in the city rang for joy. And it was said unto them, Enter ye into the joy of your Lord. Then a great throne came into view. And the pilgrims shouted with one voice, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. The city shone like the sun and the streets were paved with gold. On those streets walked multitudes with crowns on their heads, palms in their hands, and they sang with all. Is anybody right now feeling a little tug for home? I am. I am. The fact that we're still here simply means that there's more of the narrow way that we need to traverse because the king is not done with us. But even if he isn't done with us, all of this truth applies to us. So don't despair. Don't quit. Don't be asleep. For we must soon be with the Lord. So I awoke, said Bunyan, and behold, it was a dream. And then he says this to the reader. Now, reader... My dream have I told to thee. See if you can interpret it for me. To thyself or thy neighbor, but take heed. It is thy soul to which I plead. Let fools laugh, but as for thee, do thou the substance of this matter see? Pull back the curtains, look within my veil. Study my metaphors and do not fail. If you seek them, truth you'll find, and they will keep your trusting mind. Wow. In August of 1688, John Bunyan was on his way to preach in London when he was asked to turn aside and help a family in the city of Reading. I was reading in another source this week about what had happened, and it was actually a family that was having a domestic disturbance. They were at each other. It was a real problem. Bunyan got word of it, and he understood this family needs a shepherd. And so he went off, of, off the path, visited this, this family in the city of, of Reading, after giving pastoral counsel to the family, he returned to the road, but was caught in a heavy rainstorm. Wet and exhausted, he insisted on preaching when he got to London late that night. His travel resulted in pneumonia, and at the age of 59, his earthly pilgrimage ended. 
and Bunyan entered the celestial city. The picture you see is of Bunhill Fields in London. I have been privileged to be in this cemetery. I stood next to that tomb. If you look closely, by the way, Bunhill Fields was the cemetery for nonconformists, revivalists, preachers, because the Church of England wouldn't let these guys be buried in their cemeteries. But you'll note closely on the side, and it's on the other side as well, of this tomb, that there is pilgrim kneeling at the foot of the cross. What are they showing there? That's Bunyan on top, sculpture of him. But they're reminding everyone that there was a day when Bunyan came to the foot of the cross. His weight of sin fell off, rolled into the empty tomb of Christ. And he was, in fact, that pilgrim who became Christian. And this reminds us, he's not there. His body's there. But he's in the celestial city. Each of us is on a pilgrimage leading to eternity. Bunyan's allegory reveals dangers and joys that are true to life as revealed in Scripture. So my fellow pilgrims, your journey will end here. Only souls that have been to the foot of the cross will be ready. May we learn these rich spiritual lessons and walk with our God. Would you stand with me, please? Father, thank you for these truths. Thank you for the encouragement that the end of the narrow way is the city of our God. And though we are not worthy to enter those gates, we know because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus that we have been delivered from sin. We're reminded that this world has nothing to offer. And it certainly is no friend to grace. But Father, you've given us the keys. Be able to unlock doors because we have your word. Help us to be faithful witnesses. Thank you for the companions you give us along the way. Lord, the evangelists, friends who are faithful and hopeful. And Lord, would you help each of us to be used to encourage each other as we journey on. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.